Welcome to the Thelcom Podcast. Now, here's a question for you. Who doesn't want to live a great life? Surely we all want to live a wonderful life. And this podcast is all about the ingredients for a great life. We'll be sharing the detail of tools, tactics, techniques, mindsets that you can consider and adopt if you like them to create your own great life. We'll be interviewing kind-hearted people who want to share their ideas, their stories and their methods with you. You are listening to the Falcon Podcast and your host is David Lilly. Everyone has an ego. It's very difficult not to have one. But recognizing and controlling your ego can become a key and a massive contributor towards your happiness and life contentment. Now, the way we are reared and the way we grow up and we're influenced by our family and those people that we grow to respect and admire the most gives us some of our ego characteristics. Over our lifetime, we subconsciously decide what's important to us and we build this self-image. It's an image that we want to share with the world. At a very deep level, our human needs drive our ego. I'm referring to our need to be loved, our desire to contribute, to want to grow and to ultimately to survive, which is just a human instinct. I think it's very important to manage and control our ego and to seek to focus on what really matters the most in our lives, which as I'm sure you all know, is really what Thelcom and the Thelcom formula is all about. So at the end of some self-analysis, some self-evaluation surrounding your ego, I think you will get the biggest and most enlightening eureka moment that will really contribute towards a better life for you from this point forward. So this week's podcast takes a deeper look at ego, and I encourage you to really consider your ego and the motivations that make you behave in the way that you do, the way that you dress in the way that you do, the choices that you make with the material possessions that surround you in your life. We're going to be going through all of that in the minutes ahead. So let's start. Every now and again, you will see an attractive person. Now, when I use the word attractive, I'm not necessarily talking about people with the type of good looks that are made popular by the glossy magazines or the television media, or even social media. No, the types of people I'm referring to may not be attractive because of their stereotypical good looks and a strict adherence to the unwritten beautiful appearance criteria. What I mean by that is in the case of a woman, the HD brows, the bright red lipstick, the face fillers, or in the case of a man, a muscular body, in some cases, partly bulk with life-threatening steroids. Notice I add in some of the artificial beauty enhancers that people use to make themselves look better and to conform to the ever-evolving good looks rule book, let's call it. So when I use the word attractive, I'm talking about people who are noticeable for being different, but being different in a humble and understated way. I'm not talking about the people with bold red, yellow or blue hair or people with an ear piercing so big that a three-inch circular circumference has virtually destroyed their earlobe. I'm sure you've all seen that. Or someone with teardrops tattooed on their face. Not that I'm casting judgment on these people. There is nothing wrong if people really want to look that way. It's about personal choices. And, you know, I smile because I can't grow my hair anymore. I'm follically challenged or bald, let's say. 
My hair only grows around the sides and scatterings across the top, so I shave it. Now, I'm referring to people who are noticeable because they are not trying to be noticed. This might be a young woman with the most natural, stunning brown eyes, sitting without makeup behind unflattering spectacles and beneath a scraped-back, unfussy hair fringe. This girl is not out to impress. She's comfortable in her skin, and the likelihood is she's a very warm and authentic person. I'm talking about the ruggedly handsome guy who has an unplanned five-day dark beard growth, or grey beard growth in my case, an unkempt mop of hair. This is a man who is happy to do his supermarket shop in his dirty outdoor workwear. I'm talking about the larger frame lady with pearl white teeth, a welcoming smile and the sort of natural unforced confidence needed to make and hold human eye contact with whomever she encounters on any given day. But this lady behaves like this for no other reason than the desire to be friendly and to make as many happy moments as possible during her day. Her warm greeting is the same for every single person she encounters, young, old, rich, poor, sad, happy. When we go out for a few drinks or a meal with our loved ones, a quick glance around reveals an avalanche of men and women who you know have spent at least two hours manicuring and getting ready to face the world. For some reason, these people are convinced that their physical appearance is the most important aspect of their life. This is not a rare trait in people, it's a common one. Many of us dress and present ourselves for impact and not for comfort. And that extends to the cars that we choose to drive, the houses that we choose to live in, the watch that we choose to wear, the accessories that we have in business, the pen, the briefcase, the writing pad that we use. Deep down inside of us all, at an intrinsic level, we all know that physical appearance is ultimately unimportant. It cannot make us healthier. Our looks, our clothes, and our general appearance will not make us live longer. We are unlikely to be too much happier. But it may momentarily make us more attractive to the people we think may be more important in our lives. Some of us get to date that girl with the stereotypical supermodel good looks. And we quickly learn that beauty really is only often skin deep. If you were forced to live with a blindfold on for a few days and you were placed in a room full of strangers and asked to choose the nicest people, I'm pretty confident that your choices at the end of the two days would be based on the warmth in people's voices, the tenderness in their touch, the intellect in their conversations, their humour, kindness and humility, the way they are and the way they behave towards other people. Why not take a few moments now to close your eyes and think of the people who make you feel warm because of the way that they are and not the way that they look. The ego is a complex aspect of the human species. I'm sad to declare that how we look, how we dress and how we speak can determine our social appeal, in some instances our life progress. To fit into some social cliques, we must be certain to fit the mould. We cannot be too good-looking, too successful. Our house must not be too palatial. Our car cannot be too expensive. And we must not come across as too shy or too intellectual and opinionated. If we have a northern accent in amongst the wrong southern crowd or the wrong crowd of high-class or even middle-class people, we can be regarded as a farmer, 
not very clever, although farmers are the clever ones for me because they get to spend time in nature every day. And oh boy, I've been judged based on my accent more than once in my lifetime, particularly in the corporate world. If we don't strike the right balance, we may not be welcomed into certain social cliques. We may be regarded as a threat, too nice to be genuine, or maybe worse still, we could be labelled as boring. The same sort of egos fester in a work environment. Some people need the senior title. <laughs> they need their ideas to be heard above everybody else's. They need you to play the intellectual inferior, even though they know you're not. Part of their nature is to suppress you. They want to feel significant by suppressing you. It was Rudyard Kipling that once wrote wise words such as don't look too good or talk too smart. And if you can walk with kings yet, retain the common touch, then my son, you'll be a man. This is from Rudyard Kipling's poem called If, and I'm sad to say that Rudyard was generally correct. It's with immense sadness that I declare that too many of us conform to a society where it feels we cannot be our authentic selves, enough of the time at least. Some of us, not all of us, sometimes dress to fit in. We bite our tongue in a conversation because we know the consequences of looking too good or talking too smart. We sometimes fail to challenge someone who is arrogant, rude and dismissive of our opinion because we've learned that sometimes it's best to keep our opinions to ourselves. I listen to some people who say that life is sometimes like a game. I think this is true every time some poor soul looks at me, then looks at Sarah, who happens to be my beautiful wife, and says the words, you're punching above your weight, David. I always smile inside, although I feel sad at the same time. I rarely have the heart to say to these people what I really want to say and what I'm really thinking, which is this. I'm punching above my weight, only in your mind, my friend. One where clearly the aspect that matters most is one's appearance. Shallow people are the ones that think appearance matters the most. I'm sorry to declare that those who say life is like a game are often correct in their assessment, but we can change that. So how do we work to control our ego for happiness? How do you control and manage and understand your ego for happiness? This is actually a lot simpler than it sounds. What you must do is grab a pen and write down the values that matter most. I'm talking about human values. Now, this is not an exercise that you can rush, but you'll be thrilled if you take the time to do it. To help you with this exercise, I'm going to talk to you very briefly now about some of the human values that I hold dear, that I try to demonstrate. And those people that know me, I would hope, would say that, yes, these values, these words describe what David demonstrates in the way that he lives. And the human values that I hold dear are, in no particular order, number one, courage, number two, patience, number three, kindness, four, honesty, number five, authenticity, which is really what this podcast is all about. The next one is curiosity, contribution. We all need to contribute to feel like we're growing. Compassion is a beautiful human quality. I like to think that I'm dependable and people would think of me as dependable. Humble. Yes, you know, I'm someone who's got an opinion and got a rationale to back up that opinion, but I'm more than happy 
to sink into the background. I'm more than happy to suppress my views if that's needed. I like to think that I'm a humble person. I am also ambitious to grow and to share and wisdom. I love wisdom in people and that quality in people. So they are human values. They're just a dozen or so of the ones that I hold dear. So why don't you take the time to truly decide what values you hold dear. If you do a Google search for the best human values, you'll find lists of them, 200, 300, 400 different values that you can look through and think think which ones matter most to you and look at the which ones that you feel you demonstrate authentically each day. This approach will not kill your ego, but you will become known as a genuine, authentic person with real practiced values, someone who does what you say you do. My name's David Lilly. I'm the creator of the Thalcom formula and the author of the up-and-coming book, The Ingredients for a Great Life. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast about ego and authenticity. If you have, I'd be really grateful if you could share it with three, four, five people that you think might get some value from it. And I'd be even more grateful if you have genuinely enjoyed it, if you could give me a positive review on iTunes. I wish you a happy Saturday in October. Thank you.